Welcome to the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show on Soho Radio. 
if you like things disco, boogie, and some maybe some early house stuff, then uh, you want to be locked in for the next two hours. And we have a special guest as well, Mr. Lenny Fontana. will be in uh, having a conversation with him, hopefully, and uh, and be doing a special guest mix for us as well. So that's going to be uh, pretty exciting stuff. Okay, high fashion, feeling lucky lately. First tune. And then this BBC SNA with uh, a tune called Rock Shock. You're locked in Soho Radio with Reach Up Disco Wonderland. You're in for the shock of your life. Oh, man. Yes, you. And Betty, too. If you really want to reach a big dance, get hot. Get hot. Remember, see you rock. Thank you. 
you down to funky land indeed. Those will be the Strikers on uh, Prelude Records with a track called uh, Contagious. And uh, we've got full crew in the house tonight, which Yay. is good from the outset. we got uh, Nick Hawks. Hello. And Chris Kybosh. Yes, yes. And uh, Mr. Lenny Fontana coming up in a bit. Uh, we better we better tell the people what we've been up to first before Lenny comes in. Chris, yeah. what's, what's what you've been doing? Uh, yeah, good fun weekend. Just Christmas, isn't it? Just festive, festive yep. period. So doing all the, you know, Christmas parties and drinks and things like that. I was at Murr in Walthamstow on Saturday, which was good fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a nice weekend for a lovely roast on Sunday at the oh, Hawks Moor. Oh, Big up to nice. all the people at the Hawks Moor. Oh, yes. One of my favourite places on the planet. You have free cocktails in there, you were saying earlier on. Yeah. You might, yeah. Get, might get a free potato after this plug. <laughs> <laughs> have a chip. And Nick then brings me on to you. So what, what you went up to? Oh, th- this weekend was pretty quiet, but uh, the one before was the big one oh. for me because that was, uh, <laughs> that was uh, yeah, the minist- well, I did a bunch of stuff on the Friday night, ministry and the Scottish St. James place, and we had a oh, yeah. really big reach-up night on the Saturday. Yeah. On the Sunday, I flew to Amsterdam for the last night of Prodigy's European tour. And, yeah, that yeah. was the last night of the tour. I didn't know it was the last one. Mm, it was good. It was a good night. Extra special then, was yeah, it? Yeah, it was good fun. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I did about five or six nights out in a row, to be honest, and wow. I needed to have a bit of rest. Yeah, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, definitely. yeah, mm. but I'm, I'm all good, man. Good. Yeah, yeah. And you've been in Bahrain. I've right? been in Bahrain, yeah, uh, to see my sister. Uh, so big up Linda and mm. uh, and her husband Heath. And I was DJing in a bar called the Calexico Bar on Thursday night and Friday night. So it was nice when well, it doesn't happen very often where you actually DJ twice in the same city. It happened in Melbourne, I remember once. And uh, you know, because you haven't got to go anywhere, so you just chill out for a bit and and yeah, it was uh, it was cool. Go digging for reggae bit. records and digging digging for records. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I found out um, from my mate Richie. I think he wanted to go there first because uh, he's DJing there soon as well. That there was a record shop in 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 Mar-a-Rit. Well, that's uh, an antique shop, antique shop. Right. Uh, in fact, there's two two. We went to both. Uh, it took us about an hour to find it because they don't have postcodes, mm. so you can't find anything in Bahrain. So my, my sister took me, and uh, yeah, we found it after an hour. And uh, yeah, it was like wow, finding all these great like reggae records yeah. and found disco tunes and hidden treasure in the sand. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. Sort of. <laughs> sort of. And I'm going to play one of them now. I think oh, actually, great. why not from, on, from the stack? This is a uh, Yvonne Gage. Now I'm all oh, I remember for Yvonne Gage is doing it in an haunted house. Don't you remember any tunes by Yvonne Gage? Nope. I, I remember that vaguely. Yeah, which was like a version of the Michael Jackson tune. Mm-hmm. But um, this is one I'd never even heard of before called uh, Garden of Eve on Atlantic. Let's hear it. Nice, nice. There you go, Yvonne Gage.
You're listening to Soho Radio. It is the Reach Up Disco Wonderland show. And that would be uh, Shine On, Mr. George Duke, the late night tough guy. Re-edit, very good too. Okay, it's not often we can say we have an absolute legend uh, in the studio, but tonight we do. Mr. Lenny Fontana is in the place. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, <laughs> Lenny. <laughs> hey. It's hey, everyone. How are you? Hey, how can you hear doing? me okay? Is everything okay? Can yeah, we hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. How are you doing? How, I'm good. How's things, man? Good, good. Um, music is music is kind of back. I should say real music again, you know, because well, yeah. this is like, when you mentioned disco and funk and soul, that's the roots of it all. That's where you came from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah um, Paradise Garage, baby. Paradise Garage. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's, let's, should we like jump straight in then? I mean, we're going to have a little chat with you and then you're going to play, uh, we're going to uh, play a mix of yours. Um, we usually play the mix at nine o'clock, but I have a feeling it's going to go back a bit because I think there's a lot to talk about. So back in the day, you know, you, you what, grew up, so Paradise Garage was your thing. Did, so did you go there? Say, was let's, that just your... say, let's just say like, you know, when people talk about high school, <laughs> yeah. that's high school. Ah, dance music. That's where you learned everything. Yeah. A lot of us did. You know, I remember when Dave Morales was just coming up. I remember a lot of guys. I mean, you know, my friends were Hex Hector, Angel Moraes. Mm. You know, these were all names that became big, big producers, remixes, club owners, you right, know, and these right. were all part of what I call the fetus of the Paradise Garage. Right. I'm we, I'm and there's more names I could think of. I just can't, you know, even Louis Vega going in 1980. I mean, this wow. is like... And there's a lot of us that are just, we were impacted, our lives were changed watching what went on in that room. So, so I mean, you okay to get in there? Because me and Nick, I mean, not the same thing. We didn't live in New York City, but when we were growing up, I live in Bristol. We were we were into music, but we were just too young to get in anyway. We couldn't get in. Well, you know what happened was I went to I used to go to see Jelly Bean at the Funhouse. Oh yeah, right. Another big, you know, that was more of your white, wider side of disco house, and, and I mean house. That was more like there, was Madonna. <laughs> that was the beginnings of Madonna and the days of. Um, Oh, it would be like um, what you would call Electro, Arthur Baker, um, yeah. when he had his Streetwise record label, that era sure. of Funky Soma Cosa and all those records that were starting to pop through. Yeah. There was an altar side, you know, that was like the white Italian Puerto Rican crowd. Then you had this thing downtown, which was completely different, gay, black, you know. Uh, 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 a place that was very difficult to get into. You had to know someone to get in there. You just didn't get in there. And right. I happen to have a really close friend. Ah. He's no longer with me. Oh. Um, his name was David Lozada. And he said to me, I'm going to take you to a place that's going to change your life. And I went, really? He's like, oh, you're not ready for this. <laughs> and I went, really? He says, "Just you just come with me and... That Did you believe it. him when he said that? I was scared out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, remember New York was a different place. It was sure. rough. It was rugged. Mm -hmm. I mean, here I am, this Italian Spanish kid coming to from one club and walking into a completely different other was like a whole different experience. Mm. And walking into the Paradise Garage was like walking into Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how real. I mean, ministry in the beginning. I was there at the ministry at the beginning. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. there part of the whole thing. I remember when Justin came to New York, the whole Burt Bevins, blah blah blah. Making long story short on that, but walking into the garage at five o'clock in the morning was like walking into your main club at midnight. And this was uh, this was Mr. Levan that would be preaching. It would Larry Levan on a Saturday night <laughs> yeah. with a full male gay crowd it was out of control. You were not ready for that experience. Oh. It's a whole Nick different know, world. Nick knows all about that, don't you, Nick? <laughs> <laughs> Nick, Nick did go to the Paradise Garage, did, didn't he? At the right. very end of its life, I yeah. believe. I walked in there and I went, I remember standing on the wall just watching, going, oh my God. 
what is this? But the music and the sound was nothing I ever heard in my life. I thought I was the baddest DJ ever. I thought I was, I was nothing when after I walked out of the room, I said, I need to go and learn how to do this all over again. So you were DJing before? You oh yeah, I was already playing, yeah. but I wasn't playing on that level that these people were playing on. <laughs> right. This was like, Premier League. you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to get into somebody's club. And, you know, and become a DJ. Hmm. Going there was like, you need to learn your craft. Because mm. your craft ain't nothing now. <laughs> and what sort of year would that have been when you first went to the garage? 85. 85. 84-ish, 85, I went in there. Sure. And so so when you went into the garage, then you, you wanted to be a DJ. You, oh, it, I was it already wasn't DJing. About See, I started playing 1980, 81. I was already DJing. You were already... And where were you the, DJing? The, the DJing the... neighborhood stuff. You know, yeah. I was a guy from Queens. So I'm playing, okay. you know, I'm thinking I'm the baddest thing ever. Because yeah. my friends would come in and they'd be like, yeah! Right. Right, everybody's screaming. I'm like... It's great having good friends. I got news for you. <laughs> <laughs> the first That's time I walked the three in... three of us always play together. <laughs> <laughs> Safety in numbers. Like. Right. And I walked in the places going, I'm thinking I'm the baddest man ever. That mm. was nothing. Rethink, rethink. Yeah, Manhattan, yeah. Manhattan. Remember, remember, it's like saying who ruled the world when Rome ruled the world. It was like Manhattan ruled the world nightclub wise. Yeah. You know. Okay. Yes, it was the '80s. The '70s was over. But remember, a lot of those same luminaries that were DJing in the '70s were still playing at that time. So yeah. I mm. got to catch ah. all the right all the people. Legends. Right. Yeah, yeah. That were kind of not. They fall from grace at that point because the music changed. Mm. Dor was happening. Dance oriented rock new wave which you had called electro hmm. mixed with pre-house music prelude was putting out stuff from timmy register and boy jarvis M visually music's got me all oh, that right. stuff yeah. was kind of like the that. records yeah. right and that's where i'm coming from yeah, that was your you know yeah. that's where i'm coming into uh d train you're the one for me all those records were hmm. the records of the time but within a few years of, uh, of you going there, though, you, you is it right? You were you were at Studio Fifty Four. Oh yeah, and better days. Oh yeah, because so what how happened? Did, how did you well, the do thing that was, in a couple of years? Well, Bear Jones. <laughs> luckily enough, I got a job with Bear Jones, and that was my first New York gig playing at the Underground, another club that had a Richard Long sound system, not the same level of garage, but it's like what an introduction. Manhattan 101. I'm playing at Underground. Who played at Underground? Jim Burgess. All right. I'm working with Rob De Silva. Rob De Silva is one of the greatest light men in New York City. I'm working with Marsha Stern, another great light person from studio. I mean, these are people that were already 1976, 1977, 1978. They're already in this immersed and been going to the gallery with Nicky Siano or going to this 12 West. I'm just coming in as this young kid and I'm like, ah, he ain't nothing. <laughs> he ain't nothing. And that's really what it came down to. What I thought was nothing became my world and everything. Mm. You know, I was so. So how how was it, Studio Fifty Four and Better Days? Which 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 was the best gig <laughs> out of those two? Studio Fifty Four, Better Days. You'd probably say Better okay, Days. Okay, my right? studio story. Yeah, go It's on. not the studio story of Nicky Siano oh. or them. I already came in there with Bear Jones, and Bear Jones had a yuppie type of crowd, very white, very Anglican crowd, meaning it was Wall Street, business. So I was happy to play anywhere. I could have played any club in New York. I was like thrilled. So here we go. Better days, fully black. Bruce Forrest is still playing there. Um, Timmy Register was doing some nights there. And I'm just getting my start in studio. Okay, and underground, and all the clubs at the time, Palladium. I'm playing all these big, big circuit rooms, but they were never based on the DJs in those days. No? They were based on the promoters. Like, 
you and you're going to another Bear Jones party. I mean, for them, I could have been it could have been Joe Schmo playing. Right. Okay. For the crowd, you know that kind yeah. of crowd. Remember, I'm not playing Paradise Garage where it was every Saturday, every Friday. You knew you were gonna hear Larry Levan. Yeah. And in those days, they didn't even know who Larry Levan was. No. They just knew the club. They would say garage. They would say right. studio. They never said studio. I'm going to studio. I'm going to garage. I'm going to better days. They never said, I'm going to go see T. Scott or this particular DJ. No. That was later. Uh, right. Much later. Late when, 80s. When DJ Culture came along. Right. People used to follow DJs. Yeah, so, yeah, because even like poor Richie Kazar. Richie Kazar was the DJ that created and helped with Steve Rebell to make Studio 54. Right. They never talk about him. Steve, uh, Richie Kazar was the DJ from Hollywoods. Hollywood's another big club in New York City. And he was, mixing-wise, impeccable. Yeah, I've talked to all the first-generation DJs. They tell me the same thing. Why is it that he doesn't get recognized? Because who the hell's Richie Kazar? When do you think of Studio 54? What do you think of? Yeah, well, I, I don't, I'm just wondering. Because it, Steve Rebell never put Richie Kazar's name as the front. It was no. always studio. Yep. And the paparazzi and newspapers said, right. Steve Rebell is much more famous, isn't he? Right. Than Last night, Steve Rebell was hanging out at Studio 54 with Michael Jackson, yep. Roberta Flack, um, uh, Halston. That's yep. why even Garage never got that, that same type of hype because. Michael Brody never wanted to see his club in in the papers. When Frankie Crocker, Frankie Crocker was on 107.5 WBLS. He was the 5 o'clock mix guy. Uh, not mix guy. He was actually the radio guy at drive time. He used to say things about how he was going out and experiencing all the clubs. And he would talk about garage because it was a big thing for him. And Michael Brody used to call him and say, Frankie, please. Do us a favor, stop talking about Paradise Garage. Because you get all these people who are not clubbers coming. I want to come to the Paradise Garage. Like, they're not clubbers. Right. He would say, I don't want these people. Please stop talking about it on WBLS all over <laughs> New York. Because you got 12 million people listening at 5 o'clock. Yeah, now they want to know. People. Frankie Crocker goes to, he goes to he goes to Paradise Garage on a Saturday night. I want to go there because Frankie Crocker's there. Right. You know, there's pictures of Frankie at studio with the white horse, all that stuff. That's Frankie Crocker. He was a big air personality. Right. Now, speaking of which, Disco 92 begins, and then you got Al Bandiro, Joe Causey, Paco, and all those people that become superstar, legendary voices playing disco music. Music that was never heard on FM radio before. This music becomes overnight a huge sensation. Hmm. What really catapults this right pre to that is Saturday Night Fever with the movie. Now, Mom and Pop who was into doo-wop music or, you know, Motown, is now getting their groove on and saying, hey, I can hustle. And I can be a hustle dancer. I can be John Travolta. And I want to go down there with my white suit and my black shirt and party. And then it all went wrong. <laughs> well, that's later. That's not too far later. About two and a half, three years later, and it all okay. died. Yep. So when did you decide, uh, you know, from the DJ thing that you wanted to start making music? Or were you already making music? At well, I watched Chef well? Pettibone and Tony Humphreys for all these mixes and Tom Moulton. Right. I was watching because I was buying records and I would see the names and I'm going, Matt, mixed by Tony Humphreys, mixed by Chef Pettibone, mixed by Frankie Knuckles, mixed by such and such Tom, whatever it was at the yep. time. And I said, damn, I can do this. And a friend of mine, we went to a music shop and we got a keyboard and a... And a and a computer, and it just started for me. It was around 1988. Right. And I said, you know what? What really gave me the push was was, was a gentleman named Rick Lenore. 
he is part of the song Worker to the Bone. He produced that. L and R. Great Jane. He was a great friend of mine. He said, Yo, man, he said, listen to me. You see what Judy Weinstein's doing for David and Frankie? He says, Yeah, could be you too. And I said, Really? He says, I'm telling you, you can do it. I'm planting like, the seed, did he? <laughs> he was really planting the seed. And I said, You serious? He's like, I'm telling you, bro, you could do it. And that's how it began. Uh, but your first record, well, your first record came out, what, 96? Is that when you reached that's, your first piece no, of music? No, my first piece of music Before was that. 1988. Oh, it was 88, okay. Yeah, 1988. And then from there, the first big record that really made noise when I came to that, England that was, was 1991. How was it? Okay. Was this record called Butch Quick Hire that Gladys Pizarro signed at Strictly. And Steve, who was supposed to sign it? Steve Wolf was supposed to sign it. Cool Tempo, probably. It was A&M at the time. Okay, A&M. And he wound up taking the rushing record. Oh. Right. Was we were we were in competition. Steve Wolf. uh, Steve Wolf went to the same day. Went to Nervous and grabbed um grabbed uh, rushing and okay. I thought we had Mark Fickelstein shook on the deal and right. the next thing I knew it was like oh we were like Christmas go right around this time of year Steve Wolf goes back to England and he hear nothing then I hear Ron- Lonnie Clark rushing got signed uh. so that was the first record that really made huge noise for me on a bigger level and then after that I started I was remixing loads of stuff and the 90s were such a charismatic golden era well you went on top of pop success and everything didn't you I mean yeah top did, pop uh, you went on top of the pops <laughs> how was <Yeah>. that <laughs> he's been on top of the pops top of the pops was amazing it was a great experience I've been on top of the pops but not performing <laughs> let me tell you something let me tell you for a guy that came from you know from what he came from <laughs> to be able to be at that point knowing that the Beatles and the Stones and all these great artists were there. It was like, what an amazing moment for me I in my bet. life. I bet. You made so, it. Yeah, that's like, that's like <laughs> what I said. I made it. Look, I'm at the BBC. This is it's like being on American Bandstand. like, look at it this. With Dick Clark. This is incredible. You yeah, know? man. And then you were getting offers to, what, DJ all over the world, I guess. Came in off the back of that. Well, I was well? DJing all over the 90s. I was playing throughout all the whole 90s. But what happens is when you have a hit record and hits start following after that, it's it just gets crazier. Mm. You know, I'm playing already. Now it's like, you're really playing. And we had no social media in those days. No, no. It was hard to tell anybody about it. You had to work hard. You (laughs) had to work hard to make yourself be seen. It took you some, as you would say, grafting had to be, you know, Mm. perform heavy grafting. Mm. Mm. And and you've released a lot of records. I mean, you know, looking at your discography. You think think I did? (laughs) It looks pretty substantial to me. I mean, is it just like music's in your bones and you just got to make tunes? Is that... Yeah. Where you're coming from? Pretty much so, because I'm classically trained as a pianist. Okay. So yeah. it was not something that was difficult for me to do, sit behind a piano. Right. The key was to try to make things that would be super cool, but yet work, both commercially and club-wise. Still battle in my mind today. I'm still in that same battlefield. Oh, right. You're, you're always trying to do the both. Always battling, because you want things as a producer to be super avant-garde cool, but you got to know where that 50% marker is. As well. Nick knows all about this, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? Because everybody's always like this, mate. You got to make the hit record so you can really get out there and do your thing. I'm like, but then if you're making super cool stuff, it's like a jazz musician. If you're doing super cool jazz music, it only fits the aficionado yeah. crowd. It's a real small piece. If you're trying to do something where it's more on a mass level and you're trying to go to a major company with it, you can't bring something like that unless it's a, a phenomenal type of record that just doesn't seem to hold itself in the underground but actually pokes out i mean it has changed a lot hasn't it and obviously you talked about that 90s era where i think you could just make really good club records if you make a great good great club record kind of almost inevitably it ended up being 
a crossover pop entity. Most of them did, you know, of the big of the biggest club records of You're that right era. About that. Now, I think you can have a really big club record and it can still go nowhere near radio or, or you know, sort of net top 40 charts. Why? So I think that's the change. I know the answer to that. Why? I know why. Well, you, you tell us. <laughs> well, simply because unless Spotify curates that in their lists, it's very difficult to conquer because mm. Spotify rules the roost. Mm. For example, I did this with D-Train. We worked the record When You Feel What Love Has. I got top 40 radio in America. I got CHR, which is crossover, crossover hit radio, um, all that stuff. And I just could not get him on Spotify curated lists. No, That's no. the difference. And no matter how many pieces I had to the puzzle, where years ago, if you would have had that instantaneous hit record with him, yeah. this time, yeah. very difficult. How did you hook up with D-Train? Did you, have you known him for a long time? Or? Yeah, a friend of mine, a, friend of, a mutual friend of ours um, introduced me to him in about 12 years ago. Right. And of course, I've been a bit. Was always a, like most a big D Train fan. Mm. Yeah, we all sure. are. Yeah, it's yeah. hard not to be. He's it the is. voice of our generation. <laughs> so um, I remember him. He he he. He's funny. He talked to me in third party. You know, D Train needs. A D train sound. I'm like, look, we're gonna do this D train sound. <laughs> so we had that, to go. That's, to- that's funny because I heard that Craig David talks about himself in the third person as well. So I think there was a Craig David promo meeting, and Craig was there, and he was like, "Look, the right thing for Craig David is a record that." You know- <laughs> right, right, exactly. So when he's telling me, I'm like, kind of laughing. I'm like, "Yo, but dude, you're sitting right with me." <laughs> so who's the third? Who's the yeah. third party in this? Just you know? in case, don't forget, <laughs> you're sitting next to D train. Yeah, yeah, but but we did raise your hands. <laughs> yes. Okay, the first yeah. single raise your hands was when he tracked the. I, I, okay, so basically, what how it works for me is I give you the musical bed. So D Train came in, and he sang, and when he was done, he, no pen and paper. The man had like seven songs out of that one song. So we had to go back and trim, and cut and comp it down to get that one song. Right. I say it's like vocal diarrhea with him. He gives you so much, and you're like, it's. And it's I, would comp- I complimented him. I complimented him exactly that. I complimented him how fierce it was that he would give you some quality shit. Or should I say quality shite? Yeah, you can say either. Yeah. And I would crack up every time. I'm like, damn, this boy gave. It's like then you go back. It's like, what do you not use? From mm. his, from his, too much. it's amazing. That's not a bad position to be in, though, is it? To be fair, never is. No. It's always a difficult thing when you got someone. You're going, Jesus, well, how do I make this work? This guy, just do your thing. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, I'm listening. I'm like sitting there going, my God, it's amazing. Yeah, don't stop. <laughs> keep, keep no, going. I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing because you know who it is. You've heard this man sing how many times in his life? All the big records, keep on. You're the one for me. Music. I mean, it just goes. The list goes on and on. The D train sounds. The D train sounds. And you're like, you know, he's doing this for you, and he's really feeling it. Mm. Awesome. But Lenny, talk, you were talking there about uh, big records. I mean, you got a big record out in a minute, haven't you? Your, your tune, Fuego? Fire, fire. You mean the Spanish version, La Fuego? <laughs> the Fire. <laughs> very internationally. Yeah, we are. It fire, Fuego. Fuego. It's cool. We're in the EU. You mean, just you mean Shirley Lights? Shirley Lights one. You mean Shirley Lights Fire. <laughs> yeah. Yes, thank you. I mean, that's, that's you know, going well for you, isn't it? It's going very well. Mm. Um, for the for the summer of that just passed, for the Ibiza summer, was probably one of the most hammered records. Right. 
in the disco big club scene Great. all summer. I heard that all throughout Amsterdam. Yep. And I partnered up with Midnight Riot, and we got Dr. Packer to do a remix. Yep. Which is very good too, yeah, yeah. Looks very like good, very on the, good. On the remix, yeah, yeah. And very I think you've got that in your mix actually, so we'll be checking that. Yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put, I've been pounding his record because I'm yeah. kind of tired of playing my own version <laughs> after a while. Right. I kind of heard it. So, so his is really good too. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Give his a go for, for the change. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know if we before we go into the mix, what's the, what's the, the tune you brought into uh, oh, to play first of all? Oh, we should maybe drop that first. Exclu- okay, so should we do that first? So here's the deal. You know. Funny how life is. Years ago, I remember I got this album from an unknown producer named David Guetta. He was just coming, you know, right. out as, you know, he's doing stuff. And he had that One Love album. I remember hearing the artist on there singing. That voice was killer, you know. And his sound at that time, you know, was the beginning of the EDM thing. Mm. It was pretty awesome. You heard the piano, bop, bop. And... I heard this Chris Willis voice, and I said, damn, that would be awesome if I could work with a guy like that. Right. Moving forward, Amsterdam, not this Amsterdam ADE, the previous year. I run into him and his new manager, Kim, from, from Nashville. And I'm telling Kim and Chris about the D-Train story and how much promotion we did, how we got D-Train to Yankee Stadium, and, wow. and, and the Mets were playing the record as well on their games, and all the great wow. stuff we did, Brilliant. and WBLS rotation, and all the FM stations. And he was really impressed. Right. It wasn't... Know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was really... Him and his manager were very impressed. Hmm. And... I played the W party for for Good For You Records as a last-minute fill-in because somebody else pulled out. And Kenny Summit, the owner, says he gave me a thank you jacket for for helping him out with the the label and everything. I gave him a record, whatever. And he says, listen, somebody canceled. Can you cover? But Dwayne Harden's DJing as well before you. Dwayne Harden, another singer of mine, on oh yeah, on on um, what you need, defective ministry of sound, right, right, Right. okay, yeah. I'm like Dwayne's singing and dancing. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) So I go and perform. Dwayne finishes. I play. My assistant Manuel's in the audience, and Chris comes up to me after. Chris goes up to Manuel, says to Manuel, "I want to work with Lenny." Okay. And I was like, wow. so Manuel comes running in the booth and says, listen, Chris Willis wants to work with you. I'm like, awesome. So mission accomplished. I really wanted to work. But I wasn't thinking about that, about how I remember, how I was thinking about having him years previous. I would love to work with him. I'm like, it's funny how you make that projection and how it follows through. And you don't even yeah. realize at the, the time. The universe kind of comes back around. Correct. It's, it's, itself, utero, it's it? an utero moment. You know? <laughs> <laughs> utero. So, so moving forward, we leave Amsterdam. I don't hear from him. I have his phone. Manuel and I are speaking. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to ring his mobile. He's in, I thought he was in New York. He actually lives in Atlanta. Right. Hey, dude. It's Lenny. Yo, man, what's up? I was just thinking about you. <laughs> oh, cool. I got this instrumental track. I really love you to sing on it. Yep. I think it's for you. He says, send it to me right away. You got me at the right time. I just had my baby. I'm feeling really good. I'm like, this is awesome. Great. Send him the Perfect track. Timing. So I go and work on the fire record because I'm finding disco and I'm loving disco again. Yeah, and I just put will. Chris Willis's record aside because I'm afraid of the record at that time because I'm not sure direction as a producer. 
and writer direction wise when I gave him the demo to what it is now it's a bit different but I wanted to get it right and I wanted to find where my life was going to be going mm -hmm. because I want to make sure I feed it correctly right okay. so I did the fire record and that was my test to see if that fire record would stick because mm -hmm. you know being a house producer you guys call me a legend and all that which is wonderful but if you don't do things correctly, I'll be a legend of a time that that was then mm. and I won't translate to now. So I really mm. was working hard to make sure fire was right. right. So fire to me with Shirley Lights was like, that was my all to go to everything record. I was like putting all my heart and soul in that thing. Mm. Okay. So Chris understood that we were looking for singers. So Chris wrote a song too. Everybody else wrote songs. Chris finishes his track with me. I hear his song. Dude, I was blown away. <laughs> when I heard it, I went, oh, my God, this instantaneous big record. You know when you just hear it, you go, oh, my God. I hope you guys feel the same. Should we play it? So we're doing a world premiere. <laughs> world premiere on your show. Oh, oh amazing. This is a world premiere. And being wow. at Nick's an old A&R man himself. It is, yeah. I want to be old. I said O-L-E-O-L-E. He's trying to keep current as well, Mike. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Let me correct. Wait, let me correct. Let's use in the old English term O L E old old that'll be all right A and R man <laughs> yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see what was he's old with a D as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. My back feels like that some days too. <laughs> so this is me, well Chris Willis and myself. Yours truly, Lenny Fontana, and it's top of the world. I would like to people call in, tell us what you think. Right. Amazing so, world exclusive yeah. world world. Oh. No, that's not going to work. Hold on. Exclusive. <laughs> Hold on. Maybe it's not going to be what it's going to Oh, wait. Once I have again. a second one. A second. Uh, we got to know. Uh, talking about yourself. Or just, <laughs> <laughs> just chat amongst so, so, Oh, no. I've got a few anecdotes I can roll out. In my jacket's another USB. You inside, know me. Inside jacket right here. Hang on. Hang on. All right. It truly is live and direct. We're just trying to... Uh, Hold on. Trying to get this world exclusive sorted, but whilst we get that sorted, Lenny, tell tell me just a little bit about what is Chris Willis on it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, tell me a little bit more about what you're doing whilst you're here in the UK. Oh, I'm DJing. Ah, tell us tell us about that. So so this week on Thursday night, I'm at the Eagle. Yes. The Record Box Christmas Party special. Lovely. That's in London. Yep. Friday, yeah. I'm also at. Um, Horse and Groom in Shoreditch. Yes. Um, it's Saturday. It's a great spot. Have you been I, there before? I've been there. Yeah. But I yes. haven't been there when it was crowded. I went to go see them as well. I mean, it's lovingly referred to as the London Disco Pub, so yeah. you're going to fit in pretty well. Oh, it's I think. great. We've all, yeah. we, we actually did a few great. New Year's Eve parties there, didn't we? Yeah. We've done yeah. a couple, and you've you've done some bits down there. Andy's done actually a long-standing residency from Andy as well. Yeah, I was um, actually there on Saturday night as well for the next men. You were, were there great. on, and how was it on Saturday night? It's fantastic! It's always great. Yeah, yeah be busy till the end. People dancing, good vibes, good sound system. Cool. So, um, so basically, horse and groom shortage on the Friday, and then I'm actually going to. Uh, 
kind of carry on with the rest of Lenny's date. Saturday the 22nd at the Normandy Hotel in Middlesbrough. So that's up in the northeast. Uh, then we've got uh, New Year's Eve for Lenny uh, with Keith and Sandro Valentino. That's in Manchester. Uh, and uh, Lenny's got a couple of other um, forthcoming UK and European bits and pieces after this tour is done. So Lenny's out in Tenerife in Spain on uh, the 18th of January. And then 2nd of March, uh, he'll be here in a, a great night actually called Gar uh, up at Garlands in Liverpool. I think that's Pez Tellet's uh, night um, uh, up there. So a interesting and diverse and very, very, very good selection of Absolutely, forthcoming yeah. uh, UK shows. And if you need to kind of get a recap on any of that on Instagram, it's at Lenny underscore Fontana underscore. You should be able to check all of his dates and all of the new information. Keep up to date with everything that he's up to on, on Instagram. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so we are going to give it a go. We're going to give it a second go in a minute. Uh, well, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, why don't, why don't we run the mix? Uh, why don't Lenny's we do that? Because I know that's going to run. And All right. Got, and Scott is tuned at the beginning of his fire tune, which really like. So we just, uh, yeah, yeah. We just run we that. The mix, while, while we're running that, we can see if we can let's, sort the let's, other Let's uh, go into the out. mix and we'll do a little exclusive thing later. Let's, let's hit the mix with Lenny Fontana on the Reach Up sessions on Soho Radio. Let's do it. Oh, 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 
this master mix dance party is mixed by Lenny Fontana.
That is the uh, special mix by Mr. Lenny Fontana. Now, we've only, we've only got halfway through that, so we'll probably run the other half uh, another month, I think. Is that a good idea, guys? I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to go through the track list, but do you know what? I'm going to hand it to Mr. Lenny Fontana to read out the track list because it would just sound better coming from America than from New York City. So go. off you go. <laughs> what did we get up to? <laughs> First record is produced by myself and Shirley Lights on the vocals. That is fire. You've got big the job. Tune, big tune. <laughs> big tune. That's the reason why I came in to talk about that yeah. tune. Of course, Randy Muller's band, Crown Heights Affair, coming out of Brooklyn with Dan- Dreaming a Dream Dancing. And then followed by French producer, part one half of Cerrone, the actual architect behind it, Don Ray with Standing in the Rain. We have, following that, T-Connection out of Hialeah, Florida with Do What You Want to Do. And this gem that came out on Prelude Records was actually a French import from Theo Vaness called No Romance Without a Dance. And that is me, Lenny Fontana, coming live out of New York City, baby, right here for you in in Soho. (laughs) (laughs) See, I told you it would sound better if you read it out. (laughs) 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 Yes, you're tuning to the Reach Out Disco Wonderland show. That was Mr. Lenny Fontana's guest mix. And uh, I think we're going to have another little chat before we play the tune, which wouldn't load into into the CD player, but uh, we've kind of given it a bash now and uh, told it it's got to play it so I think it's going to play it in a minute but uh, there were so many bits yeah. that we as soon as we sort of stopped we started talking about it and then we were like yeah. let's save this till we're on the air let's save it till we're on the so air yeah. what, was, what was your question when we went <laughs> now off you're putting air? me on the spot I remember, I remember you said something about well, we, talk, we talked about New York we certainly talked about the changing environment in, in New York and what can you tell us about about the way that New York is is you know is now nightlife wise well, nightlife, compared- nightlife New York started the, the, the demise of nightlife mm. started with 
with Mayor Giuliani, who's running around talking for Trump right now, the nonsense that comes out of his mouth. Hmm. He was the mayor of New York, and his idea was he wanted to create a red-light district in the sense of a west side clubbing atmosphere, meaning he didn't want clubs all over the city. He wanted Midtown to be gentrified. He wanted the west side to have, say, Sound Factory, Twilo, and that was the idea to start to put all the clubs in the west side of Manhattan. Well, that didn't last too long. So what happens is you move the clubs to that side, and then resident buildings were built. And then what happens with residents, and it happened here in London, too. In W1, there used to be a club around the corner called Home. Yep, yep. Which was no longer here. I played there as well. And the residents come in, they get the power, and they get together, and they vote you out. Mm. Yeah. Well, so we're wh- seeing this all over the yeah. world, though, yeah. aren't we? That's really? the beginnings of what had happened. Yeah. And yeah. then the whole 90s, the whole 90s changed the whole landscape. 2000s came, clubbing started to happen. Brooklyn started to spore out clubs because there was a hipster crowd that came in that was younger, and they were they're walkers. So basically, they would go to coffee shops and do all their banking and everything. And they want to go to clubs in their neighborhood. Mm. So clubs started opening up. Um, there was a club called Output that opened, Good Room, Flamingos, a lot of clubs in Brooklyn. Elsewhere, at that time, there was um, Shemansky. Yeah. That was pretty big. Now that's the guys from Pasha opened, bought the club and reopened it again. Did you play any spots? Mm-hmm. I played yeah. a lot of those yeah. spots in Brooklyn. Yep. So, so bringing it up to the current now, right now, date, what, what, you know, yeah, what are your go. predictions for, for, for New York so, Clubland? Because there's been some two big losses two weeks ago in, at, in recent weeks, right? Right. Two weeks ago, announcement was made. Cielo in Manhattan is closing after 15 years, and the same owners that own Cielo happen to own another club in Brooklyn called Output, where horse meat disco and a lot of different parties were going on, uh-huh. and they're closing due to the to the landscape of how clubbing has changed. They can't feel that they can. They probably got a lot of money for their for their spaces because there's a lot of things going on with this again building residential properties and there's loads of money in it. Why not take 50 million dollars and walk That's with your head high? Yeah, yeah. Then have actually go out with your head down well it's, it's a battle isn't it filling clubs with with people in in 2018 is hard work on a on a, it seems on a global I'd basis that everything now even record promoting everything's harder yeah. they promised us in the 80s that when the internet came about we were going to work less and we would get more out of it I feel like I work harder now than <laughs> I've ever worked in my life I want to know where the work where where was the guy from the robot that was coming to do my job yes. because I don't have no robot working 20 I grind all day my 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 assistant you know d- thankfully Alexia she's another producer DJ and she laughs all the time she's like Lenny you're grinding 27 hours a day when do you ever stop I says the minute I stop is the minute it stops the minute yeah. it stops for me well I, I think the work ethic of, of successful people is you know it, 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 it has to be that way because um, at the moment because it takes so much work to get good quality records up, out, promoted. Um, you know, you can just make a record quickly and sling it online. No, but you can't. 
you can do that part, but the problem is the shelf life doesn't last long. Sure, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't think you it's, could do it's it within a second. Happen. Right, you could do anything within a minute's, like you know, yeah. a minute's notice. Mm. But the question is, how do I get past that threshold? How do I keep something to get out there and longer and stay out there? And get, that's get the further. trick. Yeah, yeah, that's the trick because people's attention spans are so short now. Mm. Like even when output and and Cielo closed, do you know that we're still talking about when the Paradise Garage closed over 31 years ago? Crazy, isn't it? We're still talking about <laughs> September of 87 like it was yesterday. Yeah. I swear to God, run into people all the time. We talk about it like it was yesterday. Do you remember the person that got shot in the street? I mean, things like that. I don't hear them talking about a club closing like that over and over. I mean, this these clubs will close and they'll become part of infamy for them and be like just another thing that happened mm-hmm. and nothing will take its place. It's because this is a flash generation. Things constantly move quickly. Things move fast. They're used to that. They're programmed for changes. The internet has conditioned them to be in that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you that's know? right. Quick accessibility of this stuff. Oh, 100% flashing. It's a flash generation. It's mm-hmm. like flash, flash, flash. Next, next, next. Mm-hmm. You lose your attention within 30 seconds. On to the next Nothing piece. Nothing has any long- longevity though. Exactly. So Sad uh, world. I mean, on a positive note, I was going to, I think I did ask you when uh, your mix was on, wh- wh- where do you enjoy DJing now? Where, where's the place you go where you think, oh, this is going to be a great party? Well, you know, I'm really now. enjoying the UK because disco ah, right. seems to be the um, the, the bad word of the day. Disco this, disco that. Yeah. Disco's all about <laughs> that, disco's this. You know, it's like, it's pretty, and it's actually still kind of like, is this possible? Is that, that's not happening in, in the US like or that. New York at all? Not like really? that, no. No, 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 no. Here it's everywhere. It's becoming Saturday night music. And I mean true Saturday night disco music. Yeah. Like like the Ritzy clubs are starting to play disco music. That's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're still talking about in those major bottle spots, EDM is still be playing in New York. That's the difference. Okay, fine. You got seven one eight sessions, Danny Krebs. You got certain parties that are doing gonna have something deep that's right. going on. Yeah. And I've played those parties as a guest and stuff. And those are incredible parties, but they're not every week that's no. once in a month there's another party once in a month there's nothing like that like here I mean I'm hearing left right and center this yeah. listen even Cafe de Paris which is right here in Piccadilly the corner, yeah. is opening up Studio 54 are they? I didn't it know. was announced January 12th wow mm-hmm. I mean we always talk about the night we run the bussy <laughs> I don't think we do a show without, when we don't mention the bussy we do a night well, it's just, just as well you mentioned it now because we haven't mentioned it yet. Oh no, so so <laughs> well, it's about, about time about to mention it. it. <laughs> yeah. So so this is a night we only do once a month, but they do it every every week. And there's like two thousand young young kids go to this full Clarify young for us. What's the age group? Well, I think it's about twenty one to, to twenty five, twenty six. Twenty one to twenty six, listen to that. Singing mm. the songs, right? Yeah. Definitely. I saw that too. Mm. I don't have that in New York. No. no. No, but yeah, it's an the, older crowd. With, with the bussy, this is like every weekend. See what I mean? Fifteen hundred, yeah, to so, eighteen hundred yeah, capacity yeah. venue sells yeah, out sells every out. single time. Yeah, four floors. It's crazy. We just play disco on one floor, on the other floor they play. So this is what I mean. Rare funk, and then you know, fifties uh, and sixties northern soul, R and B. Twenty-one to twenty-six <laughs> year olds, yeah. listening to this music. Yes, yeah. to me is incredible. Yeah, because yeah, I'm saying this lucky, is guys. twice the age. Some of these records are twice the age of that crowd. Mm. Sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 77, 78, 76. I mean, that's a yeah. long time ago. And mm. these kids were not even a 
glisten of a thought of their parents. That's right. Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing stuff, and we're back there again this Saturday night. Myself and Chris, you're I'm in Spain. You're in Spain, (laughs) España, España. But uh, but we love it, and it's it's certainly been one of the the major highlights of our year for certainly for all three of us, Chris, Andy, and myself. I think playing down there on the regular, hasn't it? The thing is, there's nothing else like it in the country. The thing is, that place has got an old school ethic, though. You know, it's just a big sound system. And a bar and and minimum lighting. It, it, that's all it needs. The equipment's it? good. Yeah, everything so works. Warehouse. The, so warehouse kind of the warehouse. Great. So the sound system's great. You know, the setup's really decent. It's it designed kind of for DJs to be able to perform well. Yeah. Pre pre froggy, froggy. Yeah, yeah froggy. Yeah, yeah. big pre froggy. That's your that's your iconic legend, correct? Yeah, yeah. He now, went to New York and saw what correct. you guys were doing. He went to see Larry Levan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. And he came during the that that year of nineteen seventy nine. He came back and changed his world. Same with me. Yep. All mm. of us. But the question really is: is that you had a big Northern Soul mm. uh, movement, mm-hmm. and you have also born off that. Ian Levine and many major players came from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. From that point to disco, where was what happened? Was there a was there a true disco scene in in England? Well, I mean, the word truly bo- the word the, the, uh, the, the genre boogie was like an English born creation, right? It wasn't. It was, it was a British thing I called, think to it call was. it boogie. Well, it came off rare groove, rare groove, and big, and we had the rare groove thing, which you uh, obviously didn't really have. Right, we in never America. had that. I mean, we you no, know no, we no, were no. guys like Norman Jay were doing shake and finger pop, playing records that were Absolutely. ten years old or more old, and and young kids were, were getting into you know these old records. And like Andy Bailey, a friend of ours who uh, does uh, our night weather sometimes, he he pointed out that like the fact that kids are into disco again is a bit like the rare groove scene where all these kids were into these old funk records, James Brown records and stuff. And now it's like the same that the young kids are now into that's why train and Sharon Red and that's why I know it'll work because it worked pre four for you guys. See, I always gave a lot of the English a tremendous amount of credit. You did a tremendous and I say tremendous like Trump. Tremendous amount of <laughs> No, amount don't of, do that. I'm, I'm gonna say this it's been going so well in here, mate. I love the word tremendous. I'm, I'm gonna use that word. He's used it so much and I love the way Alec Ball is tremendous. Yeah. But you've actually Earth history every time you take the time to really go and look and why this happened and you search through countless different ways things that none of us really even cared about nor less less really really paid attention to but and made it into a commercial viability for others to learn off of. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, we made these scenes out of your I music. I mean, house you music, like, house music anymore. for example. I mean, I always said if it wasn't for the English lot, there would have been never an English, uh, an American house movement like it was. Mm. Not like that. We were making records really for the UK at, at, at yeah. one point. Mm. You know, with the thought of, hey, this would work on a UK dance floor. It was never meant to say, oh, by the way, we're just making a great house. We were thinking about a great UK record. Mm. Isn't that something? The context and where it's going to work and where it's <laughs> going to And the context, sit. right. Yeah. Oh, I, I'd actually know it. We would actually be saying it like, hey, I know that's going to work for Positivo. We know it's going to work for A&M. We were thinking go for the Hacienda. records, <laughs> right. We were thinking, you know, and I was lucky not to play Hacienda. What's Nick I was very sign? lucky not to play Hacienda. <laughs> not to play Hacienda. Yes. Oh. Grand Park and I played together. Yes, I got to play Hacienda. That was an experience itself. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So great. I've been like, I'm like Forrest Gump in house music and dance music. <laughs> I've been right. around it all. I've been seen everywhere. it all. Done it all. <laughs> all right. Well, we better drop this tune if yes. it plays now. Let's, um, it. Let's give it a try. Uh, One yeah. more time. This is Ten this is the, the start artist button. Chris Willis, <laughs> top oh, of the world. Whoa, yeah, we're, rocking. we're rocking. We're <laughs> rocking. 
go a world exclusive from mr lenny fontana uh, chris willis uh, thank you so much for bringing that in yeah lenny. thanks man feeling that thank yeah. you thank you thank you and it's been great having you on and i uh, hope you have a great time in the uh, uk and enjoy your gigs and everything yep and, and just remind us uh so friday 21st of december that is horse and groom horse and right? groom thursday night record box at the eagle in Vauxhall. So that's the 20th of december saturday night 22nd, Middlesbrough 22nd of December and that's Legends of House At the Normandy <laughs> Hotel In Middlesbrough So that's what Lenny's up to That's it I keep going from there And check me out www.lennyfontana.com Man, <laughs> Lenny Fontana Should be a hype man Shouldn't he really <laughs> yeah. Maybe you're born there, right? Good Get morning everyone Thank you <laughs> <laughs> Alright And then what are we up to Andy? Well we've got, well, we've got It's you guys this weekend I yep, think you've yep. mentioned that already Down at the bus seat, We mentioned that 
also you got uh, Cambridge haven't you uh, yes indeed that's right and then the night after Sunday night so Saturday night Chris and I um, down at the Bussy building in Peckham and Sunday night uh, which is the 23rd of December we're at Novi in Cambridge for a uh, special reach up special with a couple wow. of quite interesting little special guests uh, there as well it's going to be a lot of fun I've got yeah. a Christmas jumper packed you know anybody was, in Cambridge oh, is going to be in for a bit of a treat on that <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun so we can't wait for that and then Someone New Year's New Year's Eve Andy New Year's Eve we're back at the Bussy Building again for the big New Year's Eve special which yep. is going to be, be a bit of a slammer isn't it I think and, uh, so jealous of all this disco yeah <laughs> so yeah. much eight disco hours, eight hours of disco oh great so much boogie 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 disco alright well got to give one more big up to Mr Lenny Fontana thank you so much thank you so much for inviting me Nick, thank you so much, mate. He, All right. he reached out to me and said, yo, you need to do this. Uh, I came we, in. We you. appreciate it. We thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Dividend, All right. uh, now, don't forget, if you want to catch up on the uh, show, you can go to the Soho Radio Mix Club page. You can go to the DJ Andy Smith Mix Club page, or you can now go to iTunes as well. And uh, if you're into your podcasting, you can uh, check out the show as a podcast. Um, Pretty much anywhere else you might be able to think you can get a podcast so, from. Yeah. You can yep. probably And leave a back. message if you can, you know, saying something about it. That'd be nice. It all helps. Okay, one more tune to see us on our way. I fancy some Gap Band to Why finish not? us. Let's do it. Party lights. Thank you and good night. You want to